Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Edison and Dr. M. Denton. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. Uh, it's, it's, almost, it's an autumnal evening almost in Auckland, New Zealand. Has I, the season officially changed yet? Uh, well, technically it's autumn. I mean, it's March. That's, that means it's the start of autumn. But I, I'm, it's, to the extent that I'm wearing a jacket and now have an actual lapel on which to stick a lapel mic. I, of course, uh, being Josh Edison, and of course, as per usual, am sitting directly next to Dr. M. R. X. Dentith, sucking the last drops of whiskey out of his skull. Decanter, out of your skull, yes. yes. Oh, dear. Now, after last week's rather tragic episode, yes, I performed yes. a, a slight modification to my brain to erase my memories of basically everything that's gone forward. So, Josh, tell the audience and myself, what is this podcast about? Why am I sitting here having set up lights? What are we going to talk about? Right. Well, you may not be aware of this, but you are possibly New Zealand's foremost expert on uh, the philosophy of conspiracy theories. And indeed, it See, that's is surprising. Your... Mm. The last thing I remember is being really into Dr. Ho. Yeah, no, you still are. You still are, in yeah. fairness. But um, also, you're, you have a... a, a academic career that's largely founded on the philosophical analysis of conspiracy theories. That's marvellous. Tell me more. Theory. Yeah. Well, so we talk about it in this podcast every week. We, re- we record it and, and do that sort of stuff. That explains the cameras. That's what the camera's for and, okay. the, and the lapel mics, yes. Um, and so generally you, you tend to be take a sort, of, a sort of particularist approach to conspiracy theories where you think that uh, conspiracy theory as a pejorative is something we should avoid and uh, conspiracy theories themselves are not inherently irrational, which is not to say that certain in particular conspiracy theories are not inherently irrational, but the point is to evaluate each one on its merits. That sounds very sensible. Are it's, you sure that's my idea? I do, I, I'm pretty sure. It was not mine. I didn't yeah. come up with it. That's no, sure. Well, it must be mine then. Yep. And that's basically what we do. Um, and we're going to do it now, I believe is the plan. Uh, and in light of the the, the uh, traumatic events of the last week or so, causing you to do the memory wipey thing. It's called trepanning. You yeah. put a needle into the brain. Mm. You basically excite some of the brain material. Memories sometimes just disappear. Yeah. Or you orgasm. Well, it could, could be both. It may well have been. Cart horse, horse cart, you never know. Horse cuts. Mm. Uh, but the point is, uh, we thought this week um, we want to get away from the, the dreariness and, and doom and gloom uh, and just focus perhaps on the more frivolous, possibly sillier examples of conspiracy theories we can come up with. And indeed, uh, catch up on a couple of weeks' worth of news, because of course last week's uh, it w- was entirely eclipsed by the the most major news event to happen in New Zealand in quite a long time, uh, which means you kind of have two weeks' worth of, of conspiratorial happenings to catch up on. So we're just sort of gonna gonna romp through all of that. We're gonna have a, a, a freewheeling, fast and fancy free unscripted, frolic. unscripted. Yeah, now the hell with scripts this week. We're just gonna have a bit of fun, hopefully. Um, and maybe well, you'll learn a thing or two, but probably not. Yeah, probably not. Shall we get to it? I think so. Let's let's uh, handle some news. Breaking, breaking conspiracy theories in the news. Yeah, so I think I think I mentioned this at the end of last week's episode. One thing that I did want to talk about: um, get, getting away from the doom and gloom and and horrible things with a mob killing, which somehow involves childish Gambino. Well, it. Um, the, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, Francesco Kelly, otherwise known as Frankie Boy, because of course he is, uh, who was the head of not the, Frankie Boyle, not Frankie Boyle, no Frankie Boy was who's the head of the Gambino crime family. See, when I read this, it was about childish Gambino and Frankie Boyle, and I thought the story was going to go in a very no, different direction from no, the one it's going that, in now. That is a team up I'd like to see though. Uh, but no, so he was murdered outside his home in Staten Island uh, on or about March the thirteenth, I think it was. Um, and so obviously criminal conspiracies started shooting up all over the place. The police thought, well, what's going on here? This guy's head of the family, shot outside his home, must be some other family, sort of some kind of power play. People are trying to muscle in on his territory. I assume that's a thing people say. Um, and, but then once, once it came out, uh, the, the actual murder was caught on surveillance cameras uh, and the killer turned out to be some guy. 
just some guy. Some guy. Called... So you're saying big event, small cause. That sounds suspicious. Well, yes. Yeah, so it turned out that no, it wasn't uh, a member of a rival criminal family. It wasn't uh, anything to do with Mr. Kelly's mafia dealings in any way. Uh, it was a man called Anthony Camello. Uh, who was known to Mr. Kelly, but not actually part of his organisation, as far as I'm aware. Um, and according to the news that's come out, um, his motivation for killing the head of one of the bigger mob families in America um, was because he was a bit annoyed with the guy because uh, Anthony Camello wanted to date his niece and uh, Frankie Boy disapproved. Um, and so, yes, Mr. Camello uh, reacted to that by... Uh, staging a, a, a shooting. That sounds like a perfectly sensible American thing to do. Well, yes, uh, from from what I could gather, he sort of, he, he quote-unquote accidentally uh, crashed his pickup truck or something into Kelly's car parked outside his house. When Kelly came out, he sort of was like, oh, hey, Mr. Kelly, I'm so sorry, look at this. And then when he went to bend over to like pick up his number plate, I think they said that had fallen off his car, he pulled out a gun and shot him a whole bunch of times. Uh, yes, yeah, so not, probably not the smartest thing you could do, really. So there's a lot of a lot of talk of how the hell are we going to how how is this guy going to survive to see his trial? How are we possibly going to keep him safe in prison? Um, but so that was so, so that got rid of the sort of criminal conspiracy theories that were perhaps going around. But um, fortunately for us, he kept the conspiracy theme going because when he showed up in court for his first. Um, first appearance in the courtroom, he was holding up his hands uh, towards the reporters, on which, he'd, with a ballpoint pen, he doodled a bunch of stuff, including phrases like MAGA forever, United we stand, MAGA, and Patriots in charge, and had a great big letter Q drawn right in the middle of his palm. Now, see, I think you should have drawn a letter Q on your palm for that visual joke for the people watching the video. I see your point, but on the other hand, I would then have had to walk around with a, a giant Q on the palm of my hand, even for a short amount of time, and frankly... Uh, that, that just sounds tiresome. It's because you don't have a mega hat. Well, yep, no, I do need one of those as well, perhaps. Yeah, so this guy appears to be a genuine sort of hardline Trumpy QAnon type follower, and this seems to be the direction his defence is going in because his his lawyer has been talking up the fact that he's um, been in, been influenced by this far-right hate speech and conspiracy theories. There's been talk of a drastic change in his personality over the last couple of months leading up to the shooting and so on. Um, so I don't know if that's genuine or if they're playing it up to sort of to as some sort of defense tactic or both. I don't know. But um, yeah, so that's that's been an interesting case of a, a man who was so, so infantile, so immature, that his only approach to conflict resolution was, was bloody violence and murder. Um, so it's, it's just a shame, really, that his immaturity has meant he'll now have nothing to do with that crime family, and he will indeed never be a childish Gambino. I like the way you brought that home. Mm. Mm. Things which I don't like to bring home are notes about the March 15th attack down in Christchurch. And one such note was found outside of a mosque in San Diego, mm. which had just been burnt down, which is leading people to believe that the note and the arson are in fact connected, and the burning of the mosque was a hate crime associated with the manifesto of the terrorists who, of course, engaged in the shooting of 50 people down in Otatahi mm. just a few weeks ago. Yes, now, as I believe we mentioned last week, the, um, the the Killer's Manifesto is now classed as objectionable material in New Zealand, which means you're not allowed to possess copies of it. Or uh, distribute it. Or distribute it, unless you have some sort of dispensation. Now, you sought a dispensation. I have engaged in the process of applying for an exemption for having a copy of the Great Replacement Manifesto. Uh, actually, a lot of organisations are doing this. So apparently, almost every media outlet in the country is applying for an exemption for the outlet to have a copy on file so that journalists can access it. Apparently there's also talk that universities are going to do the same thing. There's very open question as to whether it's ever going to be stored in the National Library. Mm. And because it's a publication from this country, technically it probably will be. Be interesting to see how they control access to that particular document. But that's a matter that will be coming up.
Mm. So ha- were you successful in your application? I haven't actually submitted the uh, email at this point. Apparently once the email is in, it takes about a day or so for it to be right. processed. But there is a cost attached? There is an administrative fee, but it's not particularly high. Okay, well, you could you could dip into the old patron funds. Surely that's the sort of thing they're for. It's Mind true. You, it's stuff we could never, ever broadcast on this podcast. And indeed, it's something I have absolutely no interest in yeah, seeing but myself. Saying, but I mean, it would be useful yeah, for your yeah. academic case. <laughs> so we've got a copy of the uh, Great Replacement Manifesto on this uh, USB stick. Josh, you want to look at it? No. Well, what should I do with it? Just put it back in its box. Mm. Fine, I'll put it back in its box. Put you back in your box. Ooh, uh. mm. But yes, actually, maybe we will use some of the funds to buy an exemption for a terrorist manifesto. That's what your Patreon monies, patrons, are going to go towards. I'm sure that's what they'd want. Actually, they they probably would. Mm. Mm. Uh, So moving on, okay, so we... um... We, we've been we've been trying to steer clear of anything Trump related this year because, quite frankly, we're sick of talking about the guy, and I'm sure we're sick, you're sick of hearing about the guy. But we can't go past the fact that Robert Mueller has actually released his report-ish sort of. A well, bit. I mean, the report has been released, but the only people who seem to have read it are William Barr, the Attorney General of the United States of America, and Rod Rosenstein, the Deputy Attorney General of mm. the United States of America. And Barr has released a four-page memo which basically summarises his takeaways from the Mueller report, which is broken down in kind of two sections. One section on collusion, one section on obstruction of justice complaints about the President of the United States, one Donald J. Trump, and basically says, look, there's no evidence of collusion by members of the government with Russia, and there's not enough to charge the president with obstruction of justice. Now, of course, people have pointed out there are two issues here with respect to the fact that we haven't seen the report, or we've got, actually, there are three issues, all we've got is Barr's representation. The first issue is the definition of of collusion is rather narrow. So it talks about members of the government working with members of a foreign government. And as many analysts have pointed out, the whole way that Russia works these days is they farm their political activism off to private companies. So you might have evidence of a private company in Russia which is attached to the government but only ostensibly working with people in the US and that wouldn't count as collusion under Mueller's definition. The other thing of course is that Barr was appointed by Donald Trump and Barr is the person who said look there's no there's not enough evidence to show that the president has committed an obstruction of justice offence. Mm which is problematic because Barr, once again, was appointed by the president. And that's the third point. The appointment of Barr is an issue here. Before he was appointed Attorney General, didn't he basically completely unprompted send off a letter saying how the Mueller investigation was a load of bollocks and essentially saying, if I were Attorney General, I'd make sure that you never saw any charges from it. Yes, and that was kind of seen as an audition for becoming Attorney General. Yeah. So once we see the report, and there are open questions as to whether we will ever see the full report, Uh, so the Attorney General has said there are elements of the report that will need to be kept secret from people outside of Congress because of ongoing investigations names and the like, so there's going to be some censorship of the report if Barr has his way. Congress, of course, has would like the full report released. Even the Senate would like the full report released. There's an open question as when, when it will be released to the public or to Congress itself. And until such time we actually see the report, it's actually mm. hard to know what to make of it. As one person on Twitter pointed out, I didn't actually note who they were at the time, imagine if Bill Clinton's Attorney General upon receiving the Star report, went, well, I've read the report, and there's no evidence whatsoever that the president has engaged in any untoward behaviour whatsoever. Did you see Monica Lewinsky's reply to that tweet? No. no I, I just, yeah, I only saw that one because I saw someone saying, yeah, imagine if Bill Clinton's Attorney General had read the Star report and then just issued a little summary of it that said nothing had gone wrong, and Monica Lewinsky just replied, if fucking only but um 
She's yeah. a funny lady, Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it has been a slightly weird look. So Barr comes out and says, yep, the Mueller report completely exonerates Donald Trump. No, 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 no. Barr says... It neither exonerates nor... So it's not... Nor... It doesn't have the threshold for criminal activity, but it doesn't exonerate the president. It was Sarah Huck... Sarah Sanders? Is it Sarah Sanders who's yeah. the current White yes. House... Press secretary. She's the yes, mm. yeah, that's right. We were meeting with Sarah. There was another person at some earlier point, mm. and she so I said completely exon exonerates the president, as Trump has said. But as Barr points out, actually no, there's enough there to at least show moral failure, if not actual criminal activity. Yeah. But at any rate, we have some people saying this this report is. It exonerates, it's completely exonerating, it's super exonerating. If, if anything, it's a little bit too exonerating. To the point and where they're now saying we need to mm. have a witch hunt to investigate the investigators for sedition and treason. And yet the super exonerating report that completely exonerates Trump from everything when you say, so can we see this report that completely proves you? And they're like, no, no, you can't. You don't You don't need to see it. Just, just trust me. It, it totally exonerates it's, it's exonerating. My, it's really, really exonerating. My girlfriend exonerating. who lives in Canada... Just told me so. Mm. So, yeah, uh, again, don't want to spend much time in this because we're, we're sick of the whole thing. But, uh, yeah, pos who knows who knows what will happen in the future? Just Indeed. in general, but also in this yeah, case. Yeah, in this case, yeah. this particular story. So um, that was all the new stuff we had to talk about. But uh, we have a couple of, of updates to ongoing stories, which we traditionally handle in an update section. Let's play that sting. Mm. Updates and retractions. So I suppose the big news, or at least one of the bits of big news, is the whole Jussie Smollett case. Yeah, so Jussie Smollett's case, and this I just read about today, I assume it, it's a pretty recent development, Jussie Smollett's case has been dismissed, which is not the same as saying he was found not guilty. No, no. So for those who don't recall the Jesse Smollett mm. case, Jesse Smollett is a African American gay actor who came to fame on the show Empire. Who I, I think about... you'll find he came to fame in the classic Emilio Estevez series, The Mighty Ducks. Really, I actually didn't. He, no, I wasn't was, aware of that. He was one of the Mighty Ducks. Oh. But anyway, sorry. Uh, who about a month ago now claimed mm. to have been the victim of a hate crime in Chicago, where he was attacked by two mugger thugs. It quickly became clear that the police in Chicago thought this was a was a hoax, and they then started pressing charges against Smollett for faking the attack. And now, the prosecutor in Chicago has gone, we're withdrawing charges, kind of for a procedural motion. Hmm. So there's this thing called an alternative to prosecution. Um, and that's what they've done here. So his case has been dismissed in exchange for his completion of several conditions. And I believe the exact details of these conditions haven't been released yet. But we so. do know that there is basically volunteer service he has done and will do. And also donating part of his bond to the city. Mm. So it, it's, it sort of seems one of these kind of compromise situations where he isn't required to plead guilty so it's not it's not officially found that he's guilty but on the other hand they do still sort of get get something out of him although apparently then i just read this afternoon that supposedly the fbi is looking is now looking into this because they think something is maybe a little bit fishy with the whole affair and maybe he's being let off lightly on account of being i don't know a celebrity or rich or i don't know although didn't what wasn't the theory did that he'd, he'd done the hoax attack because he wanted to get paid more that was a mm. motivation that was put forward in the first week or so, but I have a feeling so that no say. one's actually entirely sure if it was a hoax, what the motivation behind the hoax actually was. Mm. Uh, and now the other thing. So this, I mean, th this got lost fairly quickly, uh, quite understandably, but we should probably have another look at it because a couple of days before the Christchurch shootings in Wellington, um, James Which Shaw, we mentioned on the podcast. We did mention, yep. 
James Shaw, co-leader of the Green Party here, was assaulted on his way into Parliament. Um, and supposedly the guy who, who did it jumped out of a van, recognised him, and had started saying something about the UN before running the up and in the The UN Migration Compact. So yes, that, that, that had, prior to the Christchurch shootings, that had been one of the bigger sort of right-wing talking points, the UN Migration Pact, which as kind of like the Agenda 21 stuff we've talked about before, it's one of these things that's a non-binding resolution that basically gives you some guidelines in the UN saying, hey guys, it'd be super peachy keen if you treated migration like this uh, and does not force anyone to do anything, but it's been jumped upon by by sort of the far-right crowd as saying, look, this is the UN, they're going to take over our migration, they're going to tell us the far right, but also the centre-right well, in this yes, country. So -right, this was one of the things which kind of came out after the March 15th attack. So the National Party, our centre-right opposition party at this particular point in time, had a petition page up on their website asking for people to sign a petition to make sure the current Labour, Green, New Zealand First Coalition government wouldn't sign up to the UN com Compact on Migration. And that page disappeared. It disappeared mighty quick. And National's claim was, oh, no, 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 uh, that petition ended several weeks ago, and we routinely take pages down. That page was taken down weeks before March the 15th. And then people showed how it was still in Google Cache, and also people had screenshots from the day, because after the event, people were pointing out that National was still pushing conspiracy theories about the compact on migration, which led to National having to do a mea culpa, and then claiming the only reason why the page went down was due to an emotional mm. junior staffer. An emotional junior staffer. Which isn't really the best way to explain this, because no. A, you're going, the sensible minds, we didn't take it down, it was an emotional junior staffer, and also it kind of indicates that they were being emotional, they weren't acting rationally, mm. and maybe they should have taken that page down. Yes, I don't know. So yeah, I mean, at the time, when we first mentioned it, we thought, well, let, let's see how this develops, uh, because the, everything was all a little bit unknown, but it, it kind of, the, the whole affair has just kind of disappeared, really, because a, a day or two later, we suddenly got something a lot more prominent to yeah. think about. Yeah, and, I mean, there were big discussions at the time of the attack as to whether this would kind of end the way in which our MPs interact with the public, because as a nation-state, we have MPs who are very approachable. You can talk to them in bars, in pubs, in the supermarket. They walk along streets without any security whatsoever. And there was a fear that if we get one attack on an MP, maybe we might get copycat attacks and maybe our MPs will become a more rarefied, hard-to-get-to class. Mm. But it does actually seem that after March 15th, MPs are increasingly active in their constituencies. Yeah. And we have kind of forgotten that very recently, one of the MPs, a co-leader for a party in government, was attacked on the street in the nation's capital. Mm. Now, of course, the, the UN Migration Pact, Compact, Pact on migrate, whatever it is, the thing. Um, Compact migration, it's just really small mm, migration by the UN. Is, has been a, um, a, a a talking point amongst sort of alt-right circles, and, and very anyone who's anyone who's notably anti-migrant uh, was very much opposed to that. Um, did it show up in the manifesto at all, specifically? No, the, man uh, the manifesto talks about migration. It doesn't actually make any particular so, claim. But many of the people talking about the Great Replacement thesis have gone, well, you know, the UN, mm. tap, tap, off the nose, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more. So, yeah, so so we have um, a man assaulted on the street uh, by someone uh, talking about the UN Migration Pact. There's, and then a couple of days later, someone, uh, we, we have the Christchurch shootings performed by someone with a uh, manifesto with a decidedly anti-immigration bent. Now, as far as, as far as I'm aware, there's no suggestion that the two events are directly related, and yet they seem to be sort of, you know, symptomatic of the same uh, swelling in, in white supremacist anti-immigration stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as, as you say, this entire event was kind of swamped by what mm. happened basically the next the day. The next day, pretty much, yeah. So... 
whether we'll actually come back to revisit it or whether well, whether yeah. it's just kind of forgotten I think, I about. I don't know. It kind of feels like it has been. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. We'll we'll have to see. But for now, it's just, just kind of filed under. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Huh. Mm. And speaking of. Huh. Uh, that's it for the news updates, but um, let's go into the main part of the episode, which I think will contain its fair share of huh as well. Yeah, three huh. <laughs> that was more of a goofy being a cowboy or something. Huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, absolutely noises, on with the episode. So Josh, you've wanted to talk about this for a while, the Concave Earth thesis. Yeah, why did it, I, I've forgotten why it came up, it was a couple of episodes ago. Something about Chud's interior of the Earth. It was, so, it was something that we mentioned in passing a couple of episodes ago, I haven't even gone back to look up why we started talking about it, but there was, somebody came up with the, mentioned the theory of the, the Concave Earth theory. Now we've talked about Hollow Earth theories before. Where we live on the outside of the Earth, and things live on mm. the inside. But Josh, tell us about the concave earth. Yeah, so the concave earth theory, which was new to me at the time. Oh no, it was um, it was the episode about uh, all the, the questions. What's the craziest conspiracy theory you've come oh, across course, in your scientific yes. area? Yep, and that was one of them. Um, so the concave earth theory says that we that the earth is hollow and we live on the inside. Yep. You, you may think you don't understand how horizons work now, but mm. believe me, horizons are going to work very differently in your understanding in just a few minutes' time. So, um, so, so when we look up into the night sky at the stars and the planets and what have you, what we're actually looking at is the centre of our planet. Um, and, and in order to account for this, people have to get fairly creative with the laws of physics. There's there's a lot of talk of sort of you know how, how light how light moves in a circle. So it appears to us that the ground is stretching away from us horizontally, but that's just because the the, the curvature of the light curves around the curved surface of the Earth as it comes back to us. So it all just appears to be laid out in a straight line. And they have to talk about how. The closer you get to the center of the Earth, I, I forget exactly how it's uh, like. Like time slows down, or space becomes compressed, or something. So the closer to the center, the slower everything becomes. So that so that it, it's it's impossible to ever reach the center of the Earth because it's it, everything becomes so compressed down and and time and some stuff timey wimey. I don't even know, but that, so that's how that's how there can appear to be whole galaxies and universes up there, but it's in fact it's because all of it is just compressed down into this as it reaches the point at the center of the Earth, which basically means that um, Saturn is closer to us than Spain, which is nice. I've I, well that that sorts out my summer mm. holiday this year. Mm. Uh, but the best thing I found about it. Um, uh, f f first stopping at Wikipedia, of course, because 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 it's 2019 and that's what the internet is these days. Um, told me about this fellow called Cyrus Teed, who is a fan of the Hollow Earth theory and apparently the Concave Earth theory as well. Um, so he he founded a group. He he had a scheme called Cellular Cosmogony, uh, which I assume great band name. Yeah, and, uh, which I think was sort of a. A sort of a fractally kind of pattern thing, so the whole universe is like a cell, this is a cell and with it like a nucleus and blah, blah. Um, He founded a group called the Coreshian Unity, uh, based on this notion which he called Coreshianity, of course. Uh, he had a, had a, a colony in Florida. Um, his followers claim to have experimentally verified the concavity of the Earth's curvature through surveys of the Florida coastline making use of rectilineator equipment. <laughs> I bet they use <laughs> they, rectilineator uh, equipment. And um, but then, then even better, uh, a variety of 20th century German writers have public, published works advocating the hollow Earth hypothesis, or Hollwertlehre. Uh, but it has now. This is a great, a great quote here from Wikipedia. It has even been reported, although apparently without historical documentation, that Adolf Hitler was influenced by concave hollow Earth ideas and sent an expedition in an unsuccessful attempt to spy on the British fleet by pointing infrared cameras up at the sky. I particularly like the apparently without historical documentation. 
So basically, I had so a dream. Yes, I made this thing up, but it sounds interesting. Um, Although, were you at Nick's when we watched that Hollow Earth Nazi film oh. with one of the Buseys? Uh, I, I saw half of it or something. Either I had to go or I showed up late and only saw the end. I think I, but I, I do know the one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Nazis it. in it's, the Hollow Earth. It's one of the asylum mm. mockbusters. And it's on the yes. notion that the Nazis built a base in the Hollow Earth. And, of course, it houses Robo-Hitler, because everything houses Robo-Hitler in that style of film. Mm, mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was quite surprised to see it was uh, had, had such a pedigree, quite frankly. I even read an interesting article that sort of um, took that and, and kind of made a, a rumination on sort of falsification and science and popper and all that business by talking about how, you know, th these theories for the concave, how physics works in the concave Earth environment are basically internally consistent and completely account for all the same observations that, that um, contemporary physics does. Um, with, with just, very different assumptions. With incredibly different assumptions. And so, yes, certainly would, if, if you were to choose between uh, modern physics and concave earth physics, uh, Occam's razor would suggest that modern physics is the way to go. But as we all know, Occam's razor isn't a hard and fast rule. It's just no, kind it's of a, a guideline. But um, yes, it was interesting. Just just sort of shows you that you can actually come up with all sorts of wild and wacky theories that account for the same data, which I assume means therefore that science is bullshit and we should just believe whatever we want. No, uh, and the reason why? Have you watched the Netflix documentary Behind the Curve, the Flat Earth documentary? I haven't. I thought it might be a little depressing. It's hilarious. Ah, okay. But what's interesting about it is it shows that the flat earthers are very good at science. So they devise three experiments over the course of the documentary to prove the Earth is flat. So one exper experiment basically is measuring for curvature using satellites. One experiment is designed to show that there's no curvature by shining lasers, things like that. And the thing is, they develop very good experiments that would show that the Earth is flat or the Earth is curved. The problem is they keep on getting the wrong results. They get results that show curvature, and so they then develop a new experiment to replace the old one in the hope the new experiment will show flatness. Well, that doesn't sound like a good application of the scientific method. Well, no, so it's a good application. That they're very good at developing experiments. Mm. They're just very bad at accepting the results of those experiments. Yeah, that's that's a shame. I actually I would recommend watching the documentary. It's remarkably even-handed in its portrayal, but the stuff about the experiments they do is really quite fascinating. Mm. And there is talk of an expedition to Antarctica by a bunch of flat earthers at the moment presumably looking for the edge or those Pac-Man portals where we wrap why, around why, to the other why side. Why would one of the members of U2 be in Antarctica with flat earthers so desperate to find them? Do they think that that bit from the U2 music video, Elevation, which belongs to the Tomb Raider film, which is the best U2 video of all time, do they think that he's taken that Egyptian solar disc to Antarctica, and they need it to pr to prove flatness. Is that what they they're doing? Is that is that is that it? I've completely yes. lost you now, haven't I? No, I, I've, I'm actually somewhat dumbstruck at the way you managed to take that train of thought and just go with it and go with it and go with it. It was quite impressive. Mm. I do love that music video. It's an awful film. Tomb, that, Don't actually know Tomb the music Raider. video. I'm afraid. Oh, it's, I know the song. Great. I don't know the music video. No, no, it's great. It's good. It, the edge is basically CGI'd into scenes with Lara Croft. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Um, now, one last thing before we leave the, the hollow earths and concave earths and flat earths. I came across an interesting theory also while looking into this, which is the formerly flat earth theory, which is the theory that earth was flat in the time of the dinosaurs, but then the meteor impact or something like that that killed the, the dinosaurs uh, smashed the flat earth and caused it to sort of buckle and fold in on, in on itself, causing 
the flat earth to become a spherical earth, uh, which is of course hollow, and now all the, all the dinosaurs live on the inside because the earth folded up around them, and then we managed to get out and live on the outside of it now. And um, unfortunately, having read that theory, I then couldn't find any evidence that it was anything other than a bit of a joke and a funny thing somebody thought of one time. And as lots of people pointed out, uh, isn't that the plot of the Super Mario Brothers movie? But that's a different dimension. It is, yes. And then other people had to correct them. Well, obviously, as everyone who's seen the Super Mario Brothers movie starring Bob Hoskins and Dennis Hopper knows, and I'm assuming that's all of you and yeah. everyone in this room, um, Yes, yes, it is in fact the, the, the meteor caused the Earth to split into two parallel dimensions and the dinosaurs went off into another dimension and the humans stayed here. And, uh, and then there was Dennis Hopper with a bad haircut who was somehow King Cooper. Still, I think, one of the most bizarre video game to movie adaptations of all time. It, yep, someone, it's... it was high concept, I'll give it that. Somebody thought, how do we take a game where a couple of Italian plumbers jump on the backs of turtles and and lizards and and make that and make a movie out of that. And somebody's like, okay. And we're gonna take seriously the fact that they're plumbers. We're gonna make that a very important plot point. Yeah. And they are against evil. Because you are you are aware that people. Mario is no longer a plumber. Isn't he? No. No, so in the press materials for Super Mario Odyssey, the most recent canonical Super Mario game, they talk about how it's one of his former occupations. Oh I see. Now he's a hat enthusiast. Basically, yes. Right. And a sentient hat a sentient enthusiast. Hat. Yeah, that's I don't know. I, I'm not a Nintendo person, so I have very little exposure to the Super Mario Brothers game series, unfortunately. Da 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 Bonk well, yes, obviously everybody, you can't not know that. Okay, so that, that's enough. That's enough uh, cellular cosmogenies for, for one time. I think what have you got to chuck in the pile? QAnon the comic book. Yes, there is a QAnon comic book. Uh, May may not be suitable for an audio podcast, but well, no, I just uh, you we can give us just, the rundown. Just talk about it briefly. So this was linked on Twitter. It's a Imager account. Uh, it's called QAnon. Uh, it's by Mega Man Comics. It has the, thirty big pages. Although it actually doesn't. Maybe it will. Yeah. Maybe may, maybe it will. And basically, the premise of the first issue is that Hillary Clinton's really, really pissed off she didn't win the election, uh, which was, and that she's being consulted, uh, so Barack Obama is consoling her. Meanwhile, Trump is actually getting on with job. And basically it's a photo montage mm. album. So a, people are just- a sort of a black and white fil Photoshop filter. Right a very cheap so like filter sort of put. Oh, over the top. Yeah. Uh, and yes, it's about eight pages of exactly what you would think a QAnon comic book would be about, where the bad people, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, and Trump's just a really, really nice guy. Mm. Yes, whereas Hillary Clinton is a foul-mouthed lunatic who's screaming at Obama saying, you said the swing states were rigged. But he has everything now. I hope you know if I go down, we all go down. And then Obama says, no one is going down, quote unquote, and doesn't appear to be a sexual euphemism. So this And guy... then you get mobs of rabid leftists mm. spill into the streets of DC in droves, fear and political outrage. From losing the election is set in. The polls mislead. The brainwash mashes into a frenzy. Then we have a full page spread of uh, that says his name was Seth Rich. And, and Seth Rich has an additional eye in the middle of his forehead. Yes, he has a third eye and bullet holes and yep. And so and that's, also that's stigmata. That. Is, Is that, that it? Does look like stigmata. Uh, could just be shadows on his hands, but you never. Yeah, he's, he's no, no, no. Hands. That's definitely a nail going in, in, in oh, into yeah. that hand. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. yeah. So there's something, something. So Seth Rich appears to be some sort of Christ-like martyr who died for our sins. Uh, then we have a summary of it. It claims he was, in retaliation, the DNC leadership ordered a hit on Seth Rich at the hands of MS-13 thugs. Those good old MS-13 thugs, not just happy. What are they in, like, in real life? They're Mexican drug cartel, are they? Yeah, the and I believe not as major a gang as Trump has made them out to be. No. 
But yes, so it's a comic book. It's on imager.com. It's called QAnon, the comic book. Mm. And kind of thing that we really couldn't devote an entire episode to. No, But it is kind of interesting. It's a thing. It It sure is a a thing. Um, It is a thing which exists in the world. I don't know there's anything... To recommend it from a political or, or even indeed artistic, artistic standpoint, yeah. yep. But um, but it does exist. It does exist. I cannot take that away from you. It does exist. Uh, but perhaps instead, to redeem yourself, you could tell me about uh, the Romanian David Ike. I could, Lauren Fortuna. Now, for Romanian listeners out there, this also might be a surprise because it turns out that Lauren Fortuna, who died, oh no, I've actually forgotten. I have. Yeah, twenty. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, sorry, it, well, it, it, it was that re- recent. Kind of has become a, a forgotten figure in Romanian politics. So Lauren Fortuna was one of the heroes of the December 1989 revolution that ousted control of the country away from the communists. And he was a member of the party at the time. After the revolution, he obtained a PhD from the Faculty of Electronics and Telecommunications at the Polytechnic Institute of Bucharest, and actually ends up holding several patents and was the author of several technical papers concerning telecommunications in Romania. Mm. So, had the smarts. But at some point in the early 2000s, he started to claim that he was receiving telepathic communications from members of the higher echelons of the galactic government. And because of these communications, Fortuna was able to reveal that there are several civilizations and civilizational species living on the planet Earth, properly known as Gaia. Tell me more. Tell me more. So there's... have a car. I suspect he probably did. Romanians do like their cars. That's that's good then. Yeah. So there's the native gorilla civilization. That's a civilization that is native to this planet. Then there's the invading snake civilization, where we've got elements there of David Icke and his alien shape-shifting reptiles. Uh, the spider civilization, although sometimes the spider civilization is also the scorpion civilization, is basically the civilization of any small creature which has the an exoskeleton. Civilization, I believe, is the scientific yeah. term. The dolphin civilization, indeed, which is shades of Douglas Adams, Douglas Adams truth be told, yes, yeah. and then a lot of other minor species. Well, that just sounds racist. Yeah, uh, mm. it probably gets worse. So the gorillas are the native civilization and they are a kindly and peaceful people and they are the ones who are in theory meant to be in control of the world and luckily are in control of the Romanian government. Well that's good as long as the Romanian government is controlled by guerrillas. And you can tell that they're actually guerrillas because guerrillas like throwing things and it turns out people throw balls of paper and the like in the government chamber all the time. And literally nowhere else in the world. I assume that's that's where he's, he's getting at? No, I don't showing think he's going the, quite that far. Okay. He's just showing that the fact that Romanian politicians like to throw things. Shows their guerrillas. Yeah. I get you. I get and you. Fortuna would go on TVs to appear on chat shows and the like, and he would specify which MPs are guerrillas and which MPs are from the rival snake civilization or are secret spiders. So basically, if a politician got on the wrong side of Fortuna, he would go, actually, I was wrong about them being gorilla. Actually, they're really a snake or a a spider or something of that particular kind. And if they were a snake or a spider, they were working for some foreign power against the goodness of the gorillas in Parliament. Now you might be thinking this sounds an awful lot like David Icahn's alien shape-shifting reptile and hypothesis. Also like the Stop the Planet of the Apes I Wanna Get Off musical from The Simpsons. Oh now when... frankly the entire time you're talking about that, all I could imagine was some one of these politicians grabbing him and him saying, Get your paws off me, you, you dirty, dirty ape. ape. He can talk, he can talk, he can talk. I can see 
help, 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 help me, Dr. Zay, 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 Is that the best musical parody ever made? Yes. I think it is. It actually is. Okay, so, can I, can I, what's the line about the piano? Can I... Because there's a line that's, that, that precedes it, okay, so can I play, I play the, the piano, piano anymore? anymore? Well, of course you can. Well, I, I couldn't before. I hate every ape I see, from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. No, you'll never make a monkey out of me. Oh my god, I was wrong. It was us all along. You finally made a monkey. Yes, we finally made a monkey. Yes, you finally made a monkey out of me. I love you, Dr. Zayas. Although, of course, actually nothing beats the... So, have you heard of the Planet of the Apes? The Planet? Or the Musical? But anyway. So, yes. So, it turns out that Fortuna and Ike didn't get along particularly well but they when were aware Ike, of each other yes uh, so when Ike came to Romania Fortuna said oh he's just he's just he's just ripping me off and Ike who is not the kind of person who likes to likes people to cast aspersions on those theories no no you're ripping me off and basically they didn't get on particularly well whatsoever oh that's a shame as I say he he died in 2016 and basically is now largely forgotten about because even before he died he'd stopped being kind of mainstay on Romanian late night TV for a period of time in the kind of late 2000s early 2010s he was invited onto TV a lot because people liked laughing at him and eventually he worked out that yeah he eventually worked out they weren't inviting him because of of his insightful political commentary they are inviting him because people like to laugh along at home. Oh, that's a bit of a shame. Yeah. I see here you say that some of these presidents were snakes who worked for the Queen of England. So he did get the good old reptilian royals oh, yeah. business in there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's an awful lot which is a, which is like Ike. He did leave writings behind, but they're all in Romanian. There's no translations to English whatsoever. If I ever had the funding... I'd be quite tempted to get someone to translate Fortuna into English so the world could be aware of Lauren Fortuna. I don't know why the world needs to be more aware of alien shape-shifting reptile conspiracy theories, but I feel that Romania has something to add to that discussion. Was Ceausescu the communists? Was he the one that got He was, out? yes. Right. Yeah. yeah, he was the le- leader of the Romanian com- communist party. Party, and he yes. was the one who was who was killed during the December Revolution. Right, because basically my only knowledge of Romanian history is Tim Curry's speech from the movie Congo. Great speech, bad Romanian great, great accent. Ah, uh, the best accent ever. It was Hukuma Homolka or something, free from the chains of Ceausescu, and so on and so forth. Another excellent film, which I assume everybody in the world has seen. Ernie Hudson, brilliant. I haven't seen it for a long time, though. No, that's because it's awful. But yeah. brilliant. But yes. It's, it's but one of those brilliant. films, it really should not be revisited. Mm, mm. I think it, it, lives, it lives the best life in our memories, I think. I think we'd only sully our experiences by actually subjecting ourselves to it again. Yeah. Mm. Also, I have a feeling it's actually based on a really, really racist myth of the white of the white gorilla kingdom in Africa, which actually has a fairly horrible racist background does it oh, yeah because it's the idea that the intelligent apes are white oh right yes. yeah yeah yes oh, i don't know michael crichton book in fact it's, it's one of the few michael crichton books that isn't about how technology will kill us all actually strange the other one was that time travel one they made a film with billy oh, Connolly in. yeah never saw that one i read the book it was awful mm. but i mm. should kind of think that michael crichton was not a particularly good writer of prose. Yeah, I don't know. He was just very good at, at picking up the, the significant emerging technologies and then showing like how one ti- day they'll kill us like, all. Like time travel. Well, apart from that, but he sort of gets, you know, cloning and genetic technologies will result in dinosaurs eating us and the, the terminal man about electrodes in your brain treatment technologies will cause a person to go crazy and kill us. And then there was that other one about nanites, which will kill us all. Cheery fellow, Michael Crichton. I'm glad he's dead. 
That's yes. not true. I'm not glad he's dead. He's a, he's a lovely fellow. Climate change ER, skeptic. You know. Yeah, yeah, but also cli climate change skeptic. Well, that was just the nanites, I guess. And also the dinosaurs. Mm, mm, mm. Anyway, so uh, that, that that was all we had um, for for a palate a palate cleanser of of more frivolous, sillier. Yeah, something we theories. needed to do yep. to be able to go yep. back to discussing things in a slightly more. Well, I say not serious, not tone, serious, but in a more reverential, respectful, yeah. respectful. Yeah, yeah we needed, we needed to be able to do something to kind of wipe the taste of last week out yes. of our mouths. Yes. But for those patrons, we've got more content coming up after the break. We're going to be talking about uterus donations. Mm -hmm. We'll also be talking about a person from Christchurch who claims to have actually orchestrated the March 15 attacks and how Uri Geller is going to stop Brexit with his mind. I seem to tell he does everything, though, with his mind. I Turns on so. the television yeah. with his mind, puts, eats, his, puts the kettle on with his mind. Eats breakfast, eats with, breakfast his mind. with his mind. Yeah. Uh, now, we're also going to be releasing last week's bonus content for everyone. Yes. Review. That was the plan, was yeah. it not? Yes. Yeah. So, where we sort of went into a bit more detail about the specific false flags, some of the specific false flag stuff around the Christchurch shootings last week, which was an interesting discussion. It was. It a wider audience. Yeah. So, we'll have one. Yeah. Uh, but that's us for now. I think so. Unless you're a bonus patron and therefore one of the best and and, and brightest. brightest people in the world, uh, we will say goodbye. And to the rest of you, we will say see you in a minute. Indeedy. You've been listening to the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy, starring Josh Addison and Dr. M. R. Extended which is written, researched, recorded, and produced by Josh and M. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron via its Podbean or Patreon campaigns. And if you need to get in contact with either Josh or M, you can email them at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com or check their Twitter accounts, Monkey Fluids and Conspiracism. Remember, they're coming to get you, Barbara. What you think explosive about me is my flatulence. And you were recording when I said that, weren't you? I was. Funnier joke would have been diarrhea, though, I have to say. That's true. You did actually let the side down there yeah. and...